0: Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support.
1: One Sunday uh, when I was at church and it was right in the middle of worship and uh, the band was on stage and the fog machine is going and it's high energy and the power points are flashing and I'm in the midst of these 3,500 people feeling Utterly alone. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was. He
2: Eric. was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come Extreme together.
1: Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes.
2: The name of this program is Life Support. Life Support is hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson from Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. And he's here to offer encouragement and hope to you if you might be going through pain and suffering yourself. Pastor Paul is no stranger to suffering, losing his first wife to cancer, and then experiencing the tragic homicide of his son Taylor in recent years. And now, Life Support with Pastor Paul.
0: So great to have you on Life Support. And what we do here is introduce you to Christ in a deeper way and often trauma does that, and so we want to help you learn to deal with difficult things in life and cast a Christian worldview on that, and what Christ can do to help you, and how to navigate church in many instances. So so good to have you. And our guest has a unique, um, powerful story. Her name is Melinda Cathy. Kathy thank, Melinda, thanks for being here. So good to have you. And you're a, a trauma uh, therapist, missionary. Yes. Spent lots of time in Russia. Yes. So, Melinda, that's quite a a starting point right there. How does all that fit together?
1: Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. It's really good to be here. Um, So, I started out uh, as a marriage and family therapist uh, back in Chicago, and my husband had a calling to go to Russia. And, um, So I was working in a private practice and in a church environment, um, both of those environments as a therapist, and when he finished seminary was right when the wall came down in Russia. He had wanted to go to Russia, but there was no opportunity, and um, when he finished seminary the wall came down, we had an opportunity to go into St. Petersburg. Um, leading a team there. And so I quit my private practice, followed him to Russia, and off we were. And um, so it was while we were there, and we went over with our oldest daughter. She was 14 months old at the time, and then we had two other children while we were there for over a decade. But during that time, uh, one day, a teenage orphan showed up at my door and um through him i got connected with uh the orphan story in russia and because of him uh i was allowed to go into the orphanages which at that time no foreigners were allowed mm. to go into and so i started to see the situation and how awful it was and um very long story short we can go into it if you want to but um Ended up with him starting a ministry to uh, orphans that were aging out of the system. Mm. And um, through that, really began to become deeply involved in the understanding of trauma. And when I came back to the U.S., I got further trained in trauma through the late Dr. Karen Purvis and David Cross. And since then, I have been working primarily with traumatized people
0: hmm. and Russia you were telling me it was quite the experience it's not the United States of America so I'm sure people are asking themselves what was it like to be in Russia for all that time
1: traumatizing <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the time it was again the wall had just come down and I really didn't know what we were getting into and um, so there was it was complete chaos. Um there was complete lawlessness. Uh there was no private property. They they were trying to transition from this communist state run everything into something that they really didn't know what it was mm-hmm. going to be. Mm-hmm. And so it was, you know, lawlessness mm-hmm. and it was like the Wild West. Um the fun thing was, is that, you know, there, there were so many different Russian proverbs, but one was that everything is possible in Russia. If you just had enough money <laughs> <laughs> to to uh, grease hands, Yeah, uh, you could get things done. So it was a very interesting time.
0: Yeah. So you have uh, all of these experiences under your belt, but you also have a time in your life when you experienced... Uh, real difficulties and had to run into some things in churches that um, are difficult to deal with, depression, um, Mm -hmm. struggling to find uh, help within a church setting and so forth. Can you kind of take us back and describe how that all came about and when that was in your life and what that was like for you?
1: Yeah, um, definitely. So that was a dark night of the soul, kind of uh, a Job experience for me. And uh, that started uh, sometime around 2014. Um, so there were multiple things going on at the time. So.
0: So this was after returning from correct. Russia. Correct. Okay. This was
1: after returning from Russia. Mm-hmm. My children were young adults at the time, um, and so the ministry that uh, I had developed over there had been flourishing and uh, we had gone into multiple cities in Russia, and so um, it seemed like things were going well until, um, like I said, it was around 2014, and my marriage um, was on the rocks, and as our adult children left the house, um, and my husband and I had to look at each other, and some of the Issues that we had let go um, while raising the kids were starting to surface and it was a very rocky time and we didn't know if we were going to make it through this this time. And at the same time, um, my son, I have two daughters and a son, and I had a tradition that um, I grew up with in my family that I talked to my parents every Sunday. Um, even when I was overseas, we would try to connect every Sunday. And so I had continued that tradition with my children. And this one Sunday, um, I was talking to my son, and he informed me that I could no longer call him or talk to him, that he didn't want me in his life. And um, he would talk to me when he wanted to, and I had to wait until he was ready to reach out. This was completely out of the blue and um, was devastating for me because my family and my ministry were my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, really my identity had been wrapped up in being a mother. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the primary thing that I wanted to do in my life was to be a mother and uh, then to serve God through my mission work. So my son and I had been very, very close, and this was devastating to me. Mm. And um, there was no explanation. And um, very shortly after, my youngest daughter pretty much said the same thing. Within a month, uh, she cut me out of her life. My oldest daughter um, was very close to her siblings, but she, you know, and I tried to figure out, I tried to get to her and ask, what's going on, what's going on? Well, I was putting her in the middle, which was a very difficult situation. Mm-hmm. She was trying to keep the confidences of her brother and sister. And so she wouldn't tell me, so she just w- was silent. Um, and then around that time as well, my there were some... False, I'll say fa- fake news that had risen up around me, res- around my ministry. And so my ministry, now that was about 17 years of my life, was being taken from me. So within a span of six months, I, my marriage was on the rocks. All of my kids were not talking to me, and my ministry had been taken hmm. from me. And um, I was devastated, absolutely devastated. And the hard thing was, the the obvious common denominator was me. And so I'm feeling like just complete depression and wondering what is wrong with me. Yeah,
0: that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, but the hardest thing of all is that no one would tell me what was wrong with me. Mm no one would talk to me. There was just complete silence. And um, so this actually went on for two years. And so I went into a deeper and deeper depression and um, complete silence from, uh, in my ministry and from my family. And so I reached out to the one person who I felt safe who was my mentor and he had been my mentor and um counseling partner, you know, best friend for 30 years. And unbeknownst to me until I reached out to him, he was actually seeing my oldest son professionally. And so he told me he couldn't talk to me either. Mm. So this was because my, of
0: a counseling confidentiality. Correct
1: correct so but he wouldn't tell me anything so again yeah. there's just complete silence mm-hmm. confusion i'm left alone
0: so everything has been cut off everything everything, has been everything cut. that has been meaningful to you has given you life correct gone gone just like that gone with no explanation with no explanation what do i do about it right, right.
1: Mm. and so um I tried to I, I tried to reach out to my uh, three older brothers who are in another state and were very close to me um, Two of them were in their own crisis and uh, one brother was in the midst of cancer and cancer treatments and th- they just had no energy for me and my third brother um, He was trying to take care of them and their families, um, and he has limited capacity because of uh, sustained tragedies that he has experienced in his life. So I wanted to be very careful and honoring of him to not put more on him than he could handle. So my family, again, my extended family, just felt cut off.
0: So you had gone from... Being in in Russia at one point and having this very unique, I'm sure, fulfilling and challenging time where your life was full and purposeful and you were raising your family, and now here you are back in the States and everything seems to be falling apart. Correct. So what did you do?
1: Well, so I did um, try to reach out. Uh, We were in a small group. A small group at your church? small group at church, yep. And um, tried to reach out there, um, and that was uh, increasingly disappointing because they were not able to... I I was in despair, and no one could handle the depth of my pain. Mm -hmm. And so... They didn't want to hear it. They would try to fix it. They would try mm-hmm. to laugh it off. They would try to minimalize it, um, give me a verse, tell me things like, oh, Melinda, everybody goes through this. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: none of which are the least bit helpful.
1: None of which are the least bit helpful. Yeah. So I felt completely misunderstood, not comforted in any way um Further rejected, abandoned, alone. Um, and I think mm. the worst thing was I was also serving in this church. And uh, it was just small group in church ended up being the worst two hours of the whole week. Um, just horrible. And one Sunday uh, when I was at church... And it was right in the middle of worship. And uh, the band was on stage, and the fog machine is going, and it's high energy, and the PowerPoints are flashing. And I'm in the midst of these 3,500 people feeling utterly alone and despairing. Mm-hmm. And I just broke down. Mm-hmm. And I realized that there was not one single person in these 3,500 people that actually knew me. and
0: Including your small group.
1: Including my small group. Mm-hmm. And um, I just could not, it just felt so unreal, inauthentic. You know, mm-hmm. the songs are always happy, happy, happy and I'm mm-hmm. like, I know I'm not the only one in this space that is having a hard time,
3: mm-hmm. but
1: I don't know how to connect or how to be here. Um there's never any songs like, you know, when you hear the the spirituals that come out of slavery. Yeah, right. You know, those yeah. are the songs that I could relate to. I'm like, yeah. where are those songs? Yeah. Um and they weren't anywhere. Everything had to be upbeat and happy. And well, so, see,
0: that's for a weeknight recovery group. You don't yeah, do that on Sunday morning, <laughs> see. that's You don't want to bum people out.
2: No, with, right. With, with exactly. real life.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's what it felt like. No, you know, no one could ever meet me in reality. I was always a downer.
2: We'll continue this conversation with Melinda Cathy in a moment. I'm Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media. And we've just recently launched a trauma site intended as tools and resources for the church to equip leaders to come alongside those going through pain and suffering. If you'd like to learn more, log on to lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. And now back to our conversation with Pastor Paul. You don't want to bum people out.
1: No, with, right. With exactly. Real life. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what it felt like. No, you know, no one could ever meet me in reality. I was always a downer. Yeah. And, uh, and the
0: hard thing is, is that you can feel people pulling away from you. Oh, yes. They can tell. And, and so then the relationships become awkward. Correct. Right. And then you just end up, you're the one who doesn't have the energy. You're the one who's in pain. And yet they're expecting you to somehow carry the ball. So you just shut down and say enough. Correct. Right?
1: Correct. So and here I, you
0: are all by yourself in this massive church,
1: utterly, utterly alone, mm-hmm. and so I started sobbing i always I always sat up front and I just started sobbing uncontrollably. It was very embarrassing, mm-hmm. and um, I turned around and walked out down the long aisle, sobbing like a baby, and just walked out the door and continued sobbing because I was uh, so distraught I couldn't even drive home and sat in my car for, Mm. I don't know, 20 minutes or whatever, until I could gain enough composure to drive home. And um, so no one ever called me. No one ever contacted me. No one... Even your small group? Um... I or think very
0: limited, maybe. Very
1: huh? limited. Yeah. I, I had shut everybody out at that point. Right. I felt no So now p-
0: you were pretty much done. Like, yes. I, I can't do that anymore. Yes. Yeah, because you just couldn't.
1: I, no one felt safe. Yeah. And so I just, I quit going to church. I quit going to small group. Um, I isolated myself. Um, and I was in despair. Hmm. I was in despair.
0: Despair is not a term that we usually use. And it's a, it's a word that's very descriptive, though. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of brings the connotation of there's nothing left. Correct. And that's how you felt at that moment. Correct. And the places that we're taught to go, the places that we assume we can always go. I mean, most people would say, well, I always have my church family mm-hmm. or I always have my, my, my family unit mm-hmm that's all gone all gone so here you are all by yourself and you're alone and trying to figure out what to do what what were you thinking at that point what kind of thoughts were going through your mind about God about people about life in general what kind of thought processes were happening
1: mm. uh they were dark mm-hmm they were dark um I was definitely suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, I was barely functioning. And on top of the despair, there was just a heap of shame because um, I'm a missionary and a therapist. Mm-hmm. I You know, I ought to know better. I somehow ought to have the ability to pull myself up. Um, What a fraud! What a fraud! This isn't what
0: Christians do.
1: Exactly. What a those
0: people at church were all happy. Why am I not?
1: What a! What's wrong with me? Yes. Yes. What's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And you know, again, no one would tell me what was wrong with me. No one would help me. And so I, I'm just.
0: You're left to your imagination, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: And and uh, so I literally sat in a chair when i could get out of bed the only thing i could do was sit in a chair and read the psalms Mm. for weeks Mm -hmm. weeks and um i was angry at god but i was more confused than angry i Mm -hmm. think the thoughts that i had were well i i realized some of my expectations that I had with him, which were, if I'm a missionary, if I commit my life to you, then blessings are owed me. You won't touch my family. You won't touch my ministry. How could you dare touch my ministry? I'm doing this for you. Mm. Um you know, how could you touch my family after everything I've sacrificed, everything yeah. I'm willing mm-hmm. to give for you? How dare you?
0: Yeah, I've been there. I understand what that feels like. And you trust, you know, your your prayer life, you pray for your family, you assume because you're doing the work of God that you're being protected by the spiritual realm, you know, and, and, it's, and, and you are. Mm-hmm. God has many times a different plan. and those times of trying to adjust to that new plan can be brutal yes and And heart-wrenching
1: heart-wrenching and Mm -hmm. so job actually job and the psalms became my friends my counselors Mm -hmm. my mentors Mm
0: -hmm. you know that is so meaningful because sometimes you know i read i have a pattern like most believers you know i read a psalm a proverb a devotional, and then I work through the New Testament and so forth. And sometimes the Psalms can seem a little difficult to connect to. Mm. Um, they're beautiful, but sometimes you know, in those days when you're kind of like, Lord, you know what are you trying to show me? Mm-hmm. And here you are now, painfully aware that the Psalms is real. That mm. that pain that David experienced, the Psalmist experienced. Yes. That Job's a real guy with yes real problems, and <laughs> all of a sudden he's your friend. He's not this this guy. <laughs> Right. Wow, that's actually a gift, but what a hard way to receive it.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. So I have, you know, I think um, part of what the Lord was doing in this time, you know, looking back now, I can say that he was um, reorienting my identity. If you had asked me at that time if my identity was in Christ, I would have said, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But looking back, I go, no, it wasn't. It was in my family and in being a mother. I prided myself in being a great mother and in being this kind of adventurous, radical missionary. That was my identity, and he just stripped it off from me.
0: And that's a good place to stop because we're going to follow up next time, and I want to know what happens next because what you're describing is something – that it's two things i think of for most people it's terrifying because mm-hmm. we build these identities in um all of these things that we do and all of these accomplishments and even yes we're we love jesus but yet the identities run so deep that we don't even know they're there and the second thing i'm thinking is too is and i want to explore this when we come back next time is the gift that you've been given mm-hmm. Is something that when I've been in those times in my own life, I have said I wouldn't trade them for anything. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't wish it on anyone else. Yes. But thank you, God, for taking the time because yes. that's the only way we can grow. Yes. So I want to follow that next time. Absolutely. I'm so glad you're here, Melinda. Thanks thank for sharing you. that with thank us. You, Paul. And you know, I'm thinking too. We're talking about scripture and how it speaks, and and that. And the Bible's so clear that God is with the crushed in spirit. And so you might be right now just really struggling. You may be alone. You may be not listened to or the people that you trust have betrayed you. God is with you. He is with the crushed in spirit. And so I want to encourage you by that because you always can know that God is with you even if you don't understand what he's doing, if you don't like what he's doing. And what we'll talk to Melinda about next time is you can tell him that, and he will speak to you and minister to you. So this is what we do on Life Support. We tell stories to help find a deeper relationship with Jesus. So thank you for allowing us to spend time with you. Life Support is made possible by wonderful partners, Faith Radio, MyFaithRadio.com by Five Stone Media, where you can watch a video version of this podcast at fivestonemedia.com. And you can always check us out here at Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota as well at myrwc.org. You can go to our life support page and check me out at Twitter at Paul J. I love to tweet things like this that are important. So thanks again for being with us on life support. and We'll catch you next time.